Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. good, all right? It's wonderful. It's great to see you guys. Really good to see you. My name is Steve Warren. <laughs> Hello, Claire. Nice jacket. Yeah. You said that was my style earlier. Oh, were you meaning the style or the color? It's just the style. Good, good, good. Just, I just needed to clarify it because uh, if you thought pink suited me, then I haven't got the complexion. I'm jealous of all our all our darker skin brothers and sisters because you seem to get away with colors that us pale white people. I can wear black, white, and blue. That's all I can wear. I'd love to be able to wear yellow, red, and green, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> Louis can get away with it. He's been in the sun more than me. Don't you love a multicultural church? Isn't it wonderful? I love it. Jamie, you're a hero. Awesome. He arranged all the food for Friday night's men's night, which absolutely rocks. Um, Brian and Cindy, so good to have you back from New York. My apologies just now when we met. I went blank. I just went, ah, oh, yeah, nice to see you, but I, yeah. yeah. And as we were in worship there, I went, click, I know who you are. It's great to have you back, really good to have you around. Fantastic. We could hang in this atmosphere forever, right? But we're not. You sit down. We're, we're going to move the service on. Thanks, guys. Why don't we give the band a hand? Um, this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about suffering. You've gone very quiet. <laughs> We're in the middle of a series called Stronger. And uh, we've done Stronger in relationships. We're now doing Stronger in who I am and what I believe. And the reason we need to do this is because in society, uh, we're be- we, we, we have less and less things that are really concrete about what it is we believe. We've been taught that things should be more fluid and there should be more options and more opinions and the problem with that in our, in our attempt to try and be more inclusive is we've lost what it is we really believe and we have a generation that are finding it harder to make decisions and, uh, and so we're looking at this topic of uh, getting stronger in who we are and what we believe. Last week we looked at who am I and uh, knowing who you are in God's eyes and today we're looking at the topic of suffering because we're going through the book of Peter 
And 1 Peter has an overwhelming theme in it of suffering. So to say we're going through 1 Peter and not touch on this topic would not really be uh, thorough. Uh, so it's important we touch on this. Uh, but the other reason we're doing it is, is because it touches every one of our lives. Um, pain is, is just something we all face at some point in our lives. And uh, we need an answer for it. The world needs an answer for it. And uh, if we're talking about gaining stronger convictions and, and being stronger in what we believe, then we, we need to get stronger in what we believe about suffering because uh, everyone's talking about it, and so we need to talk about it. So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and uh, while you're doing that, let's thank um, uh, Fernando, where's he gone? He's over here. Here he is. First time playing bass today. Amazing. You're a hero. You don't just bring every Brazilian in town to church, you also play the bass. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, who is... And by the way, he's talking about suffering for Christ, suffering for doing good. Uh, but uh, forgive me for broadening the topic out to include all sorts of suffering. But he says here, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should, should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So just keep your finger in there and turn over to Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, verse 12, 1 Peter 4, verse 12, um, turn over, unless you're using a device, then swipe over, swipe over to verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Okay. Everyone say, turn to someone and say, um, can suffering help me be stronger? Can suffering help me be stronger? That's the question I have for us today, which we're going to address. Can it make me stronger? Um, I, uh, I remember 16 years ago, the pain, going through the pain of, of betrayal of a circle of really close friends of ours who we were leading church with, and uh, they, they sort of uh, ganged up against us, um, that, and, and we, they weren't just leaders we were doing life with, they were friends, really very close friends, and uh, the worst of all was our closest friends um, were, the, were the mouthpiece of that, um, that revolt. Uh, it was painful, it was like a pack of lions going after, who were hungry, going after meat, uh, only I was the meat, and they were the lions, just to clarify the situation. Uh, have I painted the picture well enough? <laughs> uh, I won't, I'll spare you all the details. Um, one of them nearly punched me in the middle of a meeting once. It's just one of the examples. Um, but I also remember going, th as I went through that pain, uh, it, having to dig deeper, having to go deeper inside myself to try and work out 
where my strength could come from in the midst of something so painful. I remember having breakfast about four years ago with a pastor of a church in Baghdad. And uh, he, he, his, his, one of his busiest occupations right now is to be doing funerals of literally hundreds of members of his church who are being killed for their faith in Iraq. That's, that's called suffering. I remember years ago, a man in our church with two young children, both under the age of 10, telling me his wife had cancer. And I remember going through that situation with him and supporting him the best I could, but still it was his pain to have to travel through deeper than anybody else's. And uh, watching him lose his wife and yet come out the other side of it. And uh, so proud of the way he managed not just to survive, but thrive through such a tragic situation. And then as a single man raised two young children who were also grieving. Um, I've stood with some of you who've gone through crisis or situations that are, uh, that are tougher than you'd want to have to bear. And uh, probably to top it all for me personally has been a recent experience of mine. Literally just two months ago, I will never forget the face of seeing my sister-in-law just two days after losing her 21-year-old son in a motorbike accident and seeing the, just the emptiness in her eyes. She is one of the most fun people to be around, and yet there was no life. I, as I saw her, I was trying to grieve with her, and I looked in her eyes, there was nothing. What do you say to someone who's traveling through such pain and having to experience that type of suffering at a personal level? And so it's not that this is unique to that group of people. This is something every one of us will have faced or will face at some point in our lives, something that is called pain or suffering that can get quite personal. And so the other reason it's so important for us to look at is because people are asking the question, why is there suffering in the world? Uh, you've probably had people ask you that question, why is there suffering? So I want to ask the question, can suffering help me be stronger? And I'm going to answer it with three answers that will help us process what to do in suffering. So my first thought is this, can suffering help me be stronger? Yes, it can if we understand where it comes from. Chapter 3, verse 4, we read it just now. He says this, even if you should suffer. That is to suggest Peter is not saying that it's done to you, just simply accepting that it happens. He's not saying God sends suffering to you. He's not saying that God makes you have pain. He's just saying it happens. Suffering happens, even if you should suffer. In fact, he strengthens it later in chapter 4, verse 12. Maybe he's had a reconsideration about it. He says, don't even be surprised if you go through trials when it comes upon you, because that will be normal. And so there is part of our lives that we've got to accept, and that is that, that, that we'll be, there will be trials that come our way. There will be things that are painful. There will be moments in life that we'd rather not have to travel through. Um, and, and yet there seems to be no turning back the clock. That's hard. When we lost my nephew just a few weeks ago, it, it, you, you're, um, you, you just can't turn the clock back on something like that. This is like a new reality you've got to live with. It's not like you can turn the clock back and make the pain go away. Uh, and you shouldn't make the pain go away. It's like we had to keep moving forward, can now do nothing about it, and the pain is still there, and you've got to deal with it. And so we want to know, don't we, uh, what God is speaking into 
this situation. The first thing we need to know is suffering is not something God does to us. He's not punishing us. Suffering happens because we live in a world where there's sin. Number one, where there is sin, there is brokenness. Where there's brokenness, things are going to happen that bring pain to us. When we do things that are out of our broken behavior, it will bring consequences to us that can be painful. And, and the second reason, and connected to that in a sense, why suffering happens is because God has given us freedom. And freedom is a really important value of His. He gives us free choice. Without freedom, we wouldn't be human. For example, the ability to love is a consequence of us having freedom. If, if, I, if I was to say to Lisby, if I was to command her to love me, then that wouldn't be love at all. If there was no free will for her to choose to love me, then that love wouldn't be love at all. Wouldn't you agree that that's why love is so rich? It's because it's chosen to be given out of our free will. As soon as you take freedom out of it, we have no emotion, we have no beauty, we have no creativity, we don't have the wonder of the world we live in. And so as soon as we start facing pain and go, God, why did you not deliver me from this? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you not stepped in and intervened? Where do you stop? So what pain is worthy of intervention and what pain is not? Or are we suggesting that all pain is worthy of intervention? Therefore, now there's no freedom because there's no consequence to, uh, to our choices. Uh, and therefore, now, if there's no freedom, we cease to become human. There's no expression of love. There's no expression of creativity or beauty. And now we take everything that's so wonderful about our lives and our world away because we wanted deliverance from a moment that is, that is painful in our lives. And so God steps back and he, he watches. And this is, we need to understand this carefully. He doesn't watch with a smile on his face when we go through pain. He has got compassion for you as you travel through it. And as much as it pains him to not intervene, uh, sorry, as much as it pains you that he doesn't intervene, it pains him. But if we were to take away freedom, we take away everything beautiful about what God is all about. And, uh, and so therefore, he steps back at times and he goes, I'm going to be with you, but you're going to have to travel through this. This is a trial, and this will make you better. How many times have we heard people say, after they come out of something that's been so difficult, well, I, I, I see life differently now. I've gained a new perspective. I see things from a different angle. We don't regret having gone through it once we're through it. We may regret the circumstances, but what we've grown in because of it is something we'll treasure forever. I will treasure forever some of the things that have stayed with me because of some of the painful journeys Lisby and I have traveled on. And so suffering is not a punishment from God. It's not in the nature of God. It's not something he predetermines will happen. Uh, if, a son, if, a father, if a son was to ask his natural father, for a piece of bread, the Bible says, would the father give him a snake? No, he wouldn't. So why would we think that God would put us into hospital as a punishment for something we've been seeking? That's not the nature of God. And so the question is, why do we conclude these things? Why do we say, well, God is doing this to me? Or 
if we're in a moment of bad counseling to someone, we say, well, maybe God's trying to teach you something. Please don't ever say that to someone. That's so cruel to say that to someone, to imply that God is trying to teach you something. Therefore, he's giving you cancer. That's a terrible, terrible thought that God would be that horrible to someone. If an earthly father wouldn't do it to their child, why, why would we ever think that God does it? The reason we think God does it is this. It's because pain is personal. And there's nothing we can do about that. And when it gets personal, we form convictions. We form convictions out of a place that is vulnerable. And if we don't make convictions before we enter that place of pain, we might make the wrong conviction. So, for example, we're in a moment of pain. It's personal. So we go, God doesn't care. Okay, so we make a conclusion out of our vulnerability. And I understand that. We all do that if we've not made a preset decision or if we've not made a conviction before we've gone into the place then we'll make a different conviction to what maybe the Bible says is the truth. The truth is God did not do it to you. He's not punishing you. Peter is trying to imply that these things simply happen. Could we accept that? That pain just simply happens. In which case, if then the question goes from God, why is their suffering, or if that's the original question, maybe a better question to ask ourselves is this, where is God in suffering? Might be a better question. Now just to prove to you that pain doesn't pick on you personally, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if in this room you have ever suffered from the pain of divorce, either as the one gone through it, or because you've watched a child of yours go through it, or a parent of yours go through it, if you've suffered from a critical or, or serious illness, whether, or whether you've lost someone suddenly in death, or uh, a form of abuse, or some other serious, serious injustice that's happened to you, or anything else you would term as, as suffering or pain, if, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, that would be most of us. I'm trying to prove the point. The pain isn't unique to any one of us. God is not victimizing you. He's not victimizing anybody. He is standing in the midst of the very situation we're going through. So the better question then is, okay, where is God in suffering? Verse 18, chapter 3 says this, For Christ also suffered... Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, he, is put, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus suffered once for sins. He suffered for us. Can suffering help me to be stronger? Yes, it can, if we understand where it comes from, that it's not from God. Number two, yes, we can, if we know God's answer to suffering. God has an answer for suffering if you hadn't realized Christ suffered for us. What's his answer? That Christ came to identify with us. He didn't come to remove suffering. He came to embrace suffering and identify with suffering so that he would stand there with us 
as we go through it. The problem of suffering, you see, is not a Christian problem. If there was no God, there'd still be suffering in the world and people would still be left with the question, why is there suffering? So the, the problem of suffering is not a problem unique to Christians and it shouldn't be a problem that people who have no faith put on the church. Take the church out of the equation for a minute, they're still suffering. Now we're, we still need an answer. What I love is the fact that people do look to the church for an answer. And that's why we need to have an answer for this because we have something we can give that others don't have. So if it's not a Christian problem, if it's a human problem, there has to be a solution. There has to be an answer. So what does Hinduism say? Hinduism says your suffering is a result of something you did in the past, possibly in a former life. What does Buddhism say? Buddhism says you should, you should separate your emotion from the problem. So just because suffering's happening to you, you don't have to suffer. Awesome. Anybody ever achieve that? <laughs> been through suffering, anybody, and, and been able to separate your emotion from it? All right. Not helping anyone. Evolution, what does evolution say? Evolution says, well, it was always bound to happen, wasn't it? Because everything has an order and a timing. It's just a matter of chemical reactions or, or a result of something that was predetermined. Evolution says your outcome is predetermined. You have no control over it. Anybody finding any hope in any of these solutions? There's no hope, there's no answer, and there's no solution. But Jesus said this. He said, I came to suffer so that, so that you would know that in the midst of your suffering, there is one who identifies, feels, and still loves through everything you go through. There's an answer, and we call it redemption. If Jesus doesn't take away our suffering, but embraces it, we call it redemption. He redeems us in the midst of our suffering. That word redemption is the word... Uh, is the, is the um, payment made to release a slave. That is, he releases us from something in the middle of our circumstance. He gives us the ability to travel through and come out the other end of our pain because he's identified with it. Redemption brings salvation, which is why he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That sounds cruel initially if you're to consider the fact, well, I'm going through pain and what you're saying is I should be, I should be so strong that uh, I would have every answer for anyone coming my way for the hope I have. Well, I don't feel very hopeful right now. Until you realize that Jesus is right there traveling with you in it, and that he is the light of the world, and as we embrace him in our pain, so his light can shine through. It's an incredible thing that people could look at your life whilst you're traveling through something and want to ask, tell me what's going on. That's my deepest prayer, is as I go through things that are difficult, that others would find Christ as a result. That others would ask those questions. What is it the hope you have? Or tell me about it. Can I come to church with you? 
Salvation happens because of redemption. Outcomes get better because of redemption. Romans 8.28, God works all things for the good of those who love him. That doesn't mean that things will disappear, but it means that there are outcomes that are better than we thought. One of the greatest stories all that uh, illustrates this is of uh, William Tyndale. William Tyndale was an Englishman who sought to translate the Bible at a time when it was illegal to, and if you were caught doing it, you would be executed around the 1500s. But he was so convinced that ordinary people needed uh, the Bible in their hands, in their language. The bishops didn't want it translated because they thought it would give power to the people, and they could no longer tell them anything they wanted because the knowledge would now be in the hands of people. But William Tyndale, in the face of his own death, continued anyway. He fled to northern Europe to find some space to do it. And uh, after a while, he ran out of money. It was only partly done, and there were errors in it, but he concluded that he would have to start selling the inaccurate copies and the incomplete copies to be able to just raise some money to complete phase two, which is to complete the translation and fix the errors. So he went ahead and started to sell copies, and the Bishop of London got wind of this, got to hear about it, and decided he would stop it. If he couldn't find Tyndale to execute him, he would at least get all of the copies off the street. So he bought all the copies out on the market, not realizing he ended up funding the final phase of Tyndale's translation that turned into the King James Version, which, which well, this is the new King James, which I many of us dearly love, if you understand it, if you're an English speaker. Well, you're in the English service, so you should. God does work all things out for the good. And whilst it may not be the thing you say to someone who's suffering, in fact, probably you should not, (laughs) because it sounds a little unkind. I don't have a translator to work with like I did in the first service. Imagine my translator that's not here right now, translating English to whatever form of English you like. If he's going through something, I go to him, hey, buddy, don't worry about it. It'll all work out. God says it does. In fact, it'll work out so good, you'd be glad you went through it. It's not a very compassionate thing to say, right? It's not the way you approach someone to care for someone. But the truth of it is still the same. All things work together for the good of those who love Jesus. Jesus came in the midst of his own pain by choice so that he would identify with your pain so that he could redeem you from it. That's not the same as delivering you out of it, but to carry you through it, that you would shine and you'd see a better outcome as a result. Tyndale's life ended abruptly as he was executed. Not a great ending to the story. He may not have controlled his story, but he did control the headlines. I'm getting the Bible out into people's hands. There were others who were in control of the detail of his story, including his own life. But he determined, he determined the headline story. My God is good. His word's going to get into the hands of people. I will not be stopped. There are decisions we have to make in the midst of it, knowing that Jesus identifies with what we've been through. So can suffering help me to be stronger? Yes, it can if we understand where it comes from, that it's not from God. And secondly, yes, it can if we understand God's answer to suffering, that he redeems it. And thirdly, we can 
grow stronger through suffering if we know what we are to do with it. What are we to do with it? He says here in verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, just flick back over into 1 Peter 2, verse 21, he says this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Anybody want to follow in the steps of Jesus? If you want to follow in the steps of Jesus, he gives us some advice right now. He says this, follow in my steps. Um, he committed no sin. All right, we're falling short right now on this one. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He hung on the cross and he looked down at the very people who put him there and he was very controlled about what he said with his mouth. He didn't begin to beat them up. He didn't begin to cry out injustices. What did he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was careful what he said. He guarded his heart toward his father, knowing that his father had ultimate control over all things, even though his father had to watch and let certain things happen like he does with us. The father bleeds with compassion when he watches you suffer. I'm telling you, he loves you so deeply. The last thing on his mind is that you would have to suffer. And so when you do, he's, he's wrapping you around, he's watching you and he's showing his compassion upon you. Because he knows what it feels like for pain to get personal. When he looked those people in the eyes who put the nails through his hands, he knows what it feels like when pain is personal. But he had already determined his conviction before he went to the cross. His conviction is, my father loves me. He said so when I was in those waters. He said, son, you're my son in whom I deeply love. And those words kept ringing through his heart, ringing through his mind as he hung on the cross to guard his heart. What do we do with suffering? We guard our hearts. We guard our thoughts. And we go back to the conviction we made before we got into this pain that God is good. God is for me. He is compassionate toward me. And he feels my pain with me. And he will redeem this. So I'm not getting my nephew back. But he will redeem this. My greatest prayer right now is that people, members of my family will come to Christ because of their searching questions through this painful season. That would be the most wonderful redemption I could imagine. Would it justify his death? No. I will never say he had to die because that was the only way they'd find Christ. No, I'm not going to try and explain the situation at all. Why explain it? I'm not even sure Jesus will give us answers when we get to heaven and go, why did that happen? Because the answers don't help. What if he did turn around and go, yeah, he needed to die so they would, they would all get saved? That really doesn't help me right now. It doesn't take my pain away. In fact, it makes me see God a little bit like, you're kidding me. You wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't do that. But answers don't always help. So what is our response? He says here, I'm going to conclude with this. I'll ask the band to come up. Thanks, guys. 
It says in verse 13, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering. Now, if I started with that word rejoice, if I started this message with that word rejoice, it, it would be too tough for some of us to handle because some of you right now are going through some difficult situations. If I was just to say, please rejoice. But when we understand it in the context, God has not done this to you. Yes, it is unjust. But yes, he does redeem. And yes, he is with you. And he will travel through this with you. Then our hearts, carrying the pain, can turn to him. Because now we're turning to a good God. Not a God who's trying to punish us. Not a God who's done this. We can turn to a good God and go, God, I worship you anyway. When I got news that my nephew was in a coma, we turned to prayer. Everything in us turned to prayer. God, save this young man. Rescue him. Deliver him. Of course, of course our prayer was to deliver him out of suffering. Of course it is. And of course, selfishly, there's that prayer because we want to be delivered out of our suffering of the thought that he may not survive. But when he died, our mode did not change. We fell to our knees and cried. But our mode did not change. Jesus, I don't get this. This is tough right now. But you don't change. You're the same. I honor you. I worship you. You only do that when you've made a conviction. And I made a decision years ago that whatever happens, God is good. Whatever I go through, God is good. Whatever I go through is not His fault. I'm not going to blame Him. Life may suck at times. But I know He always has a way through. I always know that he will redeem it. I always know he will be there with me. I always know that the rock of our salvation can be trusted. So yes, suffering can make us stronger. If we understand where it comes from. Sin, brokenness, and our freedom. If It can make us stronger if we understand what God has as an answer for it, that he redeems it. Yes, it can make us stronger if our response to it is one that guards our heart and honors Him. It's said there, as you go through suffering, revere Christ. Not repel Christ, but revere Him. We close our eyes. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.